Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. I've been having lots of conversations this week and and over the last month as we kind of go into the new year of people struggling with different areas of life. So I don't know where you're walking in, what you're walking in with, but let me just see if I can meet you where you are for a moment. So I've had a couple different conversations where people are struggling with busyness, and anxiety, and then uncertainty in life, a lack of clarity on the direction of their lives. I've had some people who are just tired at a soul level, like no matter how many naps you take, you're just not untired. You ever been there? I've got people that uh, are struggling with a lack of passion, a lack of fulfillment in what they're doing, what they're putting their time and their energy and their hands to. I've got people simply struggling to know what to do. It's like, like there's just no clarity of next steps in front of them. I've got people who are struggling with loneliness. You guys ever feel any of that? Or you know someone that does, right? So, so kind of normal parts of the human condition, but it, in addition, I, I was just kind of chewing on the things that we struggle with, and, and I think it ebbs and flows to, depending on your stage of life and season and what's happening, circumstances outside of your control, things that you, you're either doing or doing to yourself or not doing. Right? There's a lot of factors here, but in addition, I think there's some feelings that we start to wrestle with, like, like have you ever felt distant from God? Or, or like you're living off of other people's spirituality. You ever felt like that, like you're just trying to hang on? Or have you ever just felt distant from yourself? You're like, my entire life, that's how I've been. <laughs> Massively still un- unaware of myself. Uh, or like, you ever been in those places where you begin, like, you feel like you're losing your identity, or like you have no sense of purpose or calling, or I mean, you're losing perspective on life, that the things that are important, they're just beginning to to kind of fade or get fuzzy, or you ever been sucked into those spaces of escape, escapism in life rather than like real, honest, helpful, good engagement? You know, where, where we're, we're so exhausted that we can't put energy into what's actually life-giving. You ever, you ever been there? Like, like it's actually so hard to get over that hump. And so then what, what do we do? We settle for cheap substitutes like alcohol or food or binging shows or scrolling or porn or whatever your drug of choice is, and we settle in the middle of those struggles. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? You ever just generally emotionally unhealthy? You just like kind of feel that and you just are leaking on other people? You ever done that? I've never done that, but I've heard that it happens to people. Um, have you, do you find yourself like reactionary, like just kind of consistently in a reaction mode? Like so your, your temper is short or you're easily overwhelmed. You know, those little triggers just seem to happen constantly. You, you feel that? Is anyone stressed by the list that I just gave? Everybody's this, you already, you're anxious just because of what we just talked about. Cool, let's pray and go home. Uh, right? Like, that's not helpful. So sorry if I just created some anxiety. The idea is today, we're hopefully going to look at some things that are going to help you deal with some of that when it comes to following Jesus. Now, all of these can be signs and symptoms of a life disordered beneath the surface. So the series of the next couple of weeks is life beneath the surface. And all of the things that I just listed are, are, are symptoms, if you will, of a disordered life beneath the surface. And so as we continue our journey of integrating our lives, apprenticing under Jesus, following Jesus, what we're after is recognizing that Jesus is not just interested in your spiritual life. And, and in the West, we're so good at 
compartmentalization that we have to slow down and remember that when Jesus is, is looking at our spiritual life, or if someone asks you that question from, from the perspective of Jesus, that's just talking about your whole life. For Jesus, all of life is spiritual. So being a part of a church family and reading the scriptures and prayer, yeah, that's spiritual, but so is rock climbing and eating good food and, and how you rest and how you talk to your kids and how you internally think and respond and feel about your boss and how you tip your server and, and how you treat the people who feel like inconveniences to you. All of life is spiritual. What we do with our bodies and our eyes and our hands and our minds in short, Jesus kind of cares about your whole life. You guys tracking with me? And so following Jesus is not just a spiritual compartment that we wrestle with on a Sunday. It is looking at a way of life. Who are you? Who are you becoming? Who are you in relationship to God and yourself and others? I, had, I heard someone say this week, and I thought it was quite profound, um, they were talking with a friend, just asking them how their spiritual life is going, and they said, Jesus feels to me right now, Jesus feels like a friend who moved really far away. Like, I can still call him any time, but the relationship has, has changed. It's different. I was like, wow. Like, that's a, that's a very honest description of where some people are in their spiritual journeys. And again, I don't know where you are. Maybe you've walked away from the church, stayed away from the church. Maybe this is the first time ever you've even heard a conversation about what it means to follow Jesus or have a relationship with Jesus. Wherever you are, I hope that you can lean in and begin to understand what God has for you today. So starting today, we're going to look at one of two practices and practices are the things that we do to position ourselves in a way to be formed by Jesus. One of two practices that help us to start to deal with integrating our whole lives. You guys tracking with me? So we can be whole people. So let me give you this quote from Dallas Willard, because I think it's just phenomenal, okay? Uh, you guys got that for me? Maybe? It's a big quote from Willard. Oh yeah, it's a big one. All right, here we go. Ready? Very little of our being lies under the direction of our conscious minds. And very little of our actions runs from our thoughts and consciously chosen intentions. Our mind on its own is an extremely feeble instrument whose power over life we constantly tend to exaggerate. That's kind of funny, is it not? So we give ourselves more credit than, than we should when it comes to our ability to control our actions. That's what he's after. We are incarnate beings in our very nature, and we live from our bodies. If we are to be transformed, which is what we're talking about, that big list of stuff, how do we see it change? If we are to be transformed, the body must be transformed, and that is not accomplished by talking at it. Isn't that good? Like, right? I mean, it's just like wishful thinking, like try really hard, New Year's resolutions, and then all of a sudden you're a patient person. Wow. Well done. Generosity is just spewing out of you now, and right? Like, you don't care about what people think about you anymore, just overnight. Amazing. No, right? Like, he's like, man, there's way more going on when it comes to an integrated spirituality. He goes on. Check this out. He says, the training, you guys remember that word from last week? The training that leads to doing what we hear from Jesus, that's what we're after, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he did. So the training that leads to doing what we hear from Jesus must therefore involve, first, the purposeful disruption of our automatic thoughts, feelings, and actions by doing different things with our body. Yes, this is, this is pretty cool, right? So what is he saying? You, have, you ever have just an automatic response? He's saying, hey, if you want to change that automatic, oops, I already said that thing, I already responded that way, I already felt this thing, 
Anxiety is already present in my body. If you want to change that, we have to do different things. And then, through various intentional practices or spiritual disciplines, whatever words you prefer, we place the body before God and his instrumentalities in such a way that our whole self is restrained away from the old kingdoms around and within us and into the kingdom of the Son of his love. In short, what we do does something to us. So we intentionally step into practices in order to help us be formed into the image of Jesus. It's not about checking a box. It's not about, yes, I did the thing. No, 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 no. They, they are means to an end. We don't fast for the purpose of fasting. You don't read the scriptures for the purpose of reading the scriptures. You don't go to church and, and, and be a part of a gathering or use your gifts to serve just for the purpose of those things. The end goal is Jesus himself. But if we want the life of Jesus, then we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And so these practices, these spiritual disciplines, they do something to us, and they counter the habits that we have that so automatically come into place. The things that you keep doing, the things you keep returning to, the, the ways you keep responding, all of those automatic things, Jesus is working slowly to form us in a new direction, okay? So I know that's a lot, but again, what we do does something to us. You guys tracking with me? That, that you should be able to remember. Now, here's what that means. I fast from food, for example, to know that there is another food that sustains me, right? That, that, that I can remove myself from what's right in front of me, and I can set my attention and my affection on God and a relationship of his presence with me and his love working in and through me and changing me. Or I memorize or read scripture, for example, in order uh, that God's kingdom would then become the order and power of my mind and life, that I take my thoughts and I'm replacing them with Jesus, right? So we have all these different practices that are meant to change us as whole people. And all I'm trying to get at, guys, today is, is that we shouldn't compartmentalize our lives. Like, Jesus is after our whole lives and our bodies. It's kind of crazy to think that possibly our stomach could be one way that we are formed into the image of Jesus, but that's what we're after here. So, one practice this week, one practice next week, and then we're going to do the deep dive in this series of, of work on specific issues under the surface. Stuff like grief and anger and unforgiveness and anxiety, and even doing a backwards journey of going to your past and saying, hey, who you are today is, is a large part of who you've been formed by and the circumstances and people and family of origin. So we're going to do a lot of that work, but these practices are essential and partnering alongside that journey. You guys, you guys with me? Feeling good about it? You're like, I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll sit here because it's rude to walk out. Okay, heads up, in two weeks, I'm very excited. Dr. Tamara Powell from CU Denver is going to be with us speaking on grief. We've had her a couple of uh, years ago. Uh, she's an incredible friend. Can't wait to have her here. She teaches uh, at CU Denver uh, in the arenas of health and organizational communication within specifically the, the range of caring professions. So that's like healthcare, mental health, and soul care. So she's a really awesome lady who loves Jesus deeply and is also working at CU and doing an incredible job there. She's going to be here on that day speaking about grief, so I'm really excited to have her in two weeks. Um, but we have a lot of topics that we're going to be dealing with over the next couple of months, and I, I just want to kind of gear you out that the practices are meant to partner alongside us in this journey. So as we go on it, here's today's big idea. The consistent conclusion, both from the life of Jesus, as you look at the scriptures, and two millennia of church history, okay, so just this is the consistent conclusion, from the life of Jesus and two millennia of church history, 
is that what we're talking about today might be the most important of all the spiritual disciplines. The most important and, and possibly the most contested of all the spiritual disciplines. Not to say that the others aren't important by, by any means, but the most important at the top of the list. We call it getting alone. Silence and solitude, being with Jesus. The most important of the spiritual disciplines, the practices, and the most contested. Now listen to Henry Nouwen's quote on silence and solitude. He says, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we don't set aside some time to be with God and to listen to Him. And that might hit heavy for you. That might immediately bring up you know, feelings of guilt and shame, but that's not it. Don't miss it. It's invitational. They are missing something deeply if we miss getting alone with God. And here's one of the challenges is that we can be very well-meaning in our desire to follow Jesus, but if we don't have some practices that get worked into our lives, we simply will not grow. We will not change. You can have information saturation in your life without transformation, and there's plenty of evidence around us of that, as well as probably just simply inside of you and me, if we're being honest. And so today, is there a practice from the way of Jesus that counters all of the stuff that we were talking about earlier? The answer is yes, and it's silence and solitude. And specifically, the definition that we're working with today, can you go back to that slide, thank you, is intentional time in the quiet to be alone with God and ourselves. That's all we're talking about. What does it look like to create space, a container in your lives, of an intentional time in the quiet to be alone with God in ourselves? And I want you to think about Jesus for a moment. Jesus had tons of internal and external pressures. The opinions of others were everywhere about who he should be, what he should be doing. And so we see the pattern of Jesus' life to constantly get alone in the quiet. And we're going to see why. He had the literal devil, right, that Jesus is dealing with. So I know you got a lot of pressure in your life, but Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. And so then we can look to him not only as the one who saves us and sets us free, but also as the one who gives us a pattern into the life that is truly life. So let's look at Jesus today. Luke chapter 5. The Bibles and the seatbacks in front of you are our gift to you. Journals as well. It's also going to be on the screen. Luke chapter 5. Very simple text today. And you can see this pattern over and over again throughout the scriptures. So I highly recommend as you look, uh, as, you, as you read the gospels, that you can, you can even find this pattern in the life of Jesus. So check this out. Luke 5. The news about Jesus spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So what's interesting about Luke, as you read the account of, of Jesus' life from Luke, is there are nine stories from Luke alone of Jesus pulling away to this lonely place, or this desolate place, or this quiet place. That word in the Greek is eremos. And nine times we see, just from Luke alone, Jesus in the Eremos, the quiet place, the lonely place, the desolate place. And I want you to pay attention as Jesus increases in popularity. Word is out. He's healing people. He's, it's incredible 
the traction that Jesus is getting. The disciples are getting pumped. The PR is going up, and they're ready to start moving things. And the busier things got, the louder things got, the more popular Jesus became. It seems the pattern of Jesus' life that actually the more he would get away. So what I want to do is very simply take this verse today and break it down word by word and look at, hey, what, what from Jesus can we learn for our own lives today? So first, let's start here. Number one, Jesus. It's a good starting place, yeah? You feel good about it? Okay, listen, Jesus, fully human, fully God, needed the practice of solitude. I just want you to think about it. If Jesus himself, no matter what you believe about who Jesus is today, if Jesus himself needed silence and solitude, how much more do we? Jesus needed to step away to be with God the Father. You and I, we get tired, we get irritable, we get angry, we get hangry, we have ups and downs, we have life on the outside and the inside of us happening all of the time. There's probably really good reason for you and I to get away and be quiet with Jesus and ourselves. So very simply, if Jesus needed it, how much more you and I? Is that fair? Just a good uh, just a observation, but let's keep going. Often, Jesus often withdrew. So as, as in it was the, the regular pattern of Jesus' life, like the more busy and popular he became, the more he did this, which is kind of the opposite of us. What happens in your life? I mean, let's just be honest for a second. What happens when you get busy? Right? One of the, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're trying to work this practice into your life, one of the very first things to go is quiet time with Jesus, is it not? It, it, it's, it's, and, and listen, that's why I, I would argue that this is not only the most important practice, but the most contested in your life. Because if you can lose intimacy with Jesus, then all your activity doesn't really matter. When we have a life full of activity for God, when we're not being with him, it loses a lot of its purpose and power. And so for you and me, and listen, I'll just talk about myself for a second. It, the, the busier I get, the easier it is. And, and listen, it's not just like other agendas, right? It's like, man, when I lose sleep, it's really hard to get up in the morning, right? So one of the hardest disciplines in my life in this season is going to bed on time. Because I got to get up at like 5 a.m. to spend time with Jesus because my kids get up so early. Why? Why do they do that? They get up early and they eat all the time. That's two th and I'm like, what, what is happening? It, and it, and I'm, I'm glad to feed you, but please sleep longer, right? Here's a carrot, go sit in bed. I don't know, like, oh my goodness, right? Like, it's wild to me. And it's like the day I get up earlier, they're up earlier too. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? This is melatonin gummies for everybody. That's what we're doing. All right, anyway. So, so the busier we get, it seems like silence and solitude, they, they just seem to go out the door. I just want you to pay attention that for Jesus... He didn't wait till he was spiritually depleted to turn to this practice, which is sometimes what we do, right? We wait, we wait till we hit a wall and we're like, wow, I need to pray, right? This guy done screaming at my kids. Oh, I should maybe pray. I need to get alone with Jesus. Oh, I just had a blow up at work or I just had an anxiety attack. Oh, maybe I should pray. We, we wait till our tanks get on empty and then we turn to help, which again, there's nothing wrong. Like Jesus is there for you. By all means, you're loved in that space, but there's a better way. Jesus didn't wait until the tank was on E. He often withdrew because he often experienced challenges and pressures. And the same is true of your life. So here's my simple argument. If you have regular challenges and pressures in your life, then you probably need regular time in the quiet with God. You guys with me? It's something you probably already know. The idea is to cultivate our heart toward a desire for this. 
What's amazing, though, is Jesus didn't just prioritize it for himself. You can read it on your own time. But like in Mark 6, he sends out the disciples, his 12 guys, to go do some really cool Jesus-y stuff, right? And they're healing the sick and casting out demons, and they come back, and they're like, Jesus, this was amazing, and they're pumped about it and on fire, and he's like, well done, guys. Let's go away. And the very first response to them getting back from a lot of activity is to go be quiet with God. So Jesus didn't just prioritize it for himself, but for others as well, which is quite awesome. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus often withdrew. He withdrew. This, mean, this word means to take refuge from danger. So what's the danger that you and I have in our lives? If, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're beginning to consider what it means to follow Jesus. The danger is that we can live a life disconnected from God. We, we are prone toward this idea of self-deception, that we can do life on our own, live on our own plans and our own resources and our own power, and, and that works for a little while. But the deception here is that we can live a life disconnected from God. We can do all kinds of things, both for ourselves and for God, without being for Him, and that's dangerous. It gives us a false, false sense of spirituality and pride that's not connected to intimacy with the God who loves you. And so what does Jesus do? He creates distance in his life, margin in his life. And, and you might consider, you're like, dude, how in the world am I going to do that? I live in 1,200 square feet with, with a bunch of little humans, and I have no idea how to get away from them, right? Or I live in 1,000 square feet with three roommates, and, and I have no idea how to actually withdraw and get away. Number one, can I just say that the bathroom is a really good hiding place, okay? Can you just, just a heads up, genuinely, it seems like that's a good hiding. The other day, I was sitting on the floor of my bathroom, because I got up at 5, and I was sitting on my couch, and my kids were there at 5.30, and I'm like, what? So me and Coffee have a good relationship anyway, so I go up to the bathroom, and sitting on the floor, and then the door opens. And I'm like, what do you not understand? Me and Jesus are having a meeting, friends, in the bathroom. I need you to, all right, TMI, you okay? All right, I'm sitting on the floor. It's okay. Anyway, hiding, genuinely. It's the only place in my house that I can hide, and they still found me the idea is creating space. Solitude is, listen, solitude is not just getting away from people, but it's getting close to God and ourselves. It's, it's creating that space to actually withdraw. Now, what Jesus did in the lonely place is just as important as the actual act of withdrawing. He prayed. He withdrew and he prayed. And, and one of the challenges that you and I have is you have this little terrorist that lives in your pocket that's connected to the world at all times and it's constantly vying for your attention, and you're even wanting to look at it when you don't want to look at it. I mean, it's amazing, right? And so Jesus didn't get to a lonely place and finally get to scroll Instagram. And listen, I, like moms in the room, I feel that like I know the space of like uh, just a little bit of margin for yourself. Jesus didn't finally get alone and, and shop a little bit on Amazon. He didn't finally get alone and watch a YouTube video or watch some fail videos. That's my favorite one. I love watching fail videos. Something about other people getting hurt that, like, I don't know, it's very good for my soul. So um, it's a spiritual practice. All of life is spiritual, guys. Anyway, so right, what Jesus did matters. That if we can create some margin, one of the first go-tos, right, is you finally get a moment alone. You sit down, and I think we miss the moments, right? You finally have just five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a lunch break in the morning, whatever it is. And the first thing that comes out is, is that little glowing screen, with all of its demands and distractions. What Jesus did in the quiet is very important. So a practice that I adopted uh, um, a little over a year ago was, um, as much as I love the YouVersion app and all of that, 
uh, I started using a hard copy paper Bible again. Just because, listen, you might, if you're better than me, well done. I'm not, this is not, this is just for Drake. I am just not disciplined enough not to check other things. I even tried to like turn it on airplane mode and I'm still doing stuff. I'm like, why do I, why am I looking at my calculator right now? What is happening? <laughs> like, it is unbelievable the amount of distraction I have in me. I'm like, what is that? Our need for distraction and noise should be something we pay attention to. What does it say about us? and how much we struggle to be quiet and alone. So, the pattern of Jesus. If we want the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. So let me talk about this practice for just a moment in really practical terms, okay? Silence and solitude. Attentional time in the quiet, alone with ourselves and God. So there's external silence that we're talking about, right? Like literally quiet, which is hard to do. Like a literal space of being quiet. Uh, Danielle and I have different gym routines, and one of the things uh, that she talks to me about is how important it is for her to have her headphones with her. Like to drown out all the noise, because the, the, the grunting in the background at the gym for her from the extra sweaty dudes is just too much. She's like, I just can't do it. It's just, right? So, so quiet is something that we're trying to find, and, and, and not at the gym, but rather just in a space. Maybe you have a favorite chair. My, my preference is we have this little lamp in our living room on the edge of our couch. And so a cup of coffee and my journal and this lamp on, it's still dark outside, whatever the rhythm is. Or maybe you're not a morning person, so it's right before you go to bed or it's, it's your lunch break and you go sit in your car. I mean, genuinely, there's tons of permission to be creative and getting quiet. In fact, we see that in the life of Jesus, that it, it, it changes consistently in the morning, but then every now and then it'll be at night. So external silence. And then there's also internal silence, which I would argue is the hardest to quiet. That internal noise of worry and frustration and, and, and hatred and unforgiveness and squirrels, right? Like the, why is my calculator out, right? Like, like all of that. So there's silence in this practice, and then there's solitude. And, and uh, Henry Nouwen would argue that without silence, there is no solitude, which is a good argument for, for what you do with your phone. Richard Foster says it this way. He says, loneliness is any inner emptiness, but solitude is inner fulfillment. So this is not like isolation in an unhealthy manner. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about intentionally get alone with yourselves and God. And quite frankly, when you get alone and you be quiet, you realize how not alone you are. It's a space where we decompress from stimulation and from noise. It's a place where we begin to face the good and the bad and the ugly inside of us and and we face our hunger and our desire for God, or quite frankly, the lack of those things in our lives. It's where insecurity shows up. It's where addiction begins to reveal itself. It's where everything is exposed, but in a safe container. So rather than spilling all of that stuff on the people around you, you can spill it on the one person who can help you. And we find that different things in our lives begin to lose power, like the success that we so cling to in the world around us begins to lose its significance. People's opinions begin to roll off as we consider who Jesus says that we are. So let me give you three very simple reasons Jesus practiced solitude and why we should practice solitude. Number one, in silence and solitude, it's where we find and reclaim our identity. Over and over again, Jesus would go back to the quiet to listen to God's voice over him. Everyone had an opinion about who Jesus should be. Everyone had, a, had an opinion about what Jesus should be doing. 
of what this thing should look like, especially once it started to get traction. At the same time, tons of people hated Jesus. They're trying to murder him. So he's got this incredible crowd following him and lots of oppression at the same time. And it's a place he could, he could consistently come back to, to be reminded of who he was and what he was called to do. It's really amazing that, that people would have really strong opinions about what Jesus should be doing, and he would come back from the quiet place in a very calm but bold way, say, no, we're not going to do that. We're actually going to go over here. Like, Where does that direction and calmness come from? From time alone with God, his Father, who said, this is who you are, and this is what I called you to do. And I wonder how many of us struggle to know not only our identity, but then the significant activity of our lives. Not, not, not like the scope, like not even 10 years, I mean, that, that matters for sure, like dream big, but like what about Monday and Tuesday and seven day scope of like, what am I giving? I, I'm finite, right? I have limits. Jesus had limits. He could only give so much of himself. And so it, it, that's true of you as well. And so he would get alone and, and find all of that space reprioritized. Limiting the voices around him so he could hear the most important voice in his life. Listen to Thomas Merton's quote. Here, this is amazing. He said, in prayer, we wait for a word that we cannot give to ourselves. Apologies, the typo. In prayer, we wait for a word that we cannot give to ourselves. I don't know about you, but when I read something like that, part of my heart longs for that. And immediately, I feel the tension of it because it's so hard to wait. And it's so hard to be quiet. Number two, in solitude, we learn to what Jesus called abide or to rest in him or to make our home with him. It's the Greek word meno, to be with Jesus. We talk about that a lot, right? To be with Jesus. We learn to be with him because it's not just a practice of God is only with me in the morning when I spend time with him in the scriptures and prayer. The reality is that I can learn to practice the presence of God, as Brother Lawrence would say, throughout my day, that God is just as with me in washing dishes as he is in the quiet place. But this is the place where I learn to hear his voice. This is the place where I'm reminded of this reality. It's where I learn to rest in his presence. It's where my affections and my attention can keep coming back to God throughout my day. This is the place that it's learned. And lastly, Solitude forms us into people of love. One of the temptations could be that we go into solitude just to get a break from the world, and that's good. Like Jesus would say, hey, come to me. If, if your soul is heavy and you need rest and you feel like you're drowning, come to me and find a rest for your soul. Absolutely. But it's not just to get a break. It's to be formed into people of love and grace and compassion. Why? Because it's in this place that you are sitting in the very presence of love. It's where you learn to receive the love of God so you can more fully give it to others. Jesus consistently pulled away to be with God. And he consistently came back down the mountain to love people. It was a rhythm of Jesus' life pull away and then to re-engage, and to pull away and to re-engage. And if all of us are finite, if your life is a bucket and you're pouring yourself out throughout your day at your job and for your neighbors and for your kids and for your roommates and at school and your mental energy and emotional energy and physical energy and everything's just being poured out and poured out and poured out, at some point, that bucket's empty. Where do you go to refill it? A lot of us 
turn to the quick fixes of our culture to refill it in a moment. Ben just show us, I don't have to feel anything. Just one more drink, or I'm leaning into a Friday night, or this event, or that event, or, or, or just climb this ladder, or this job, or this milestone, or whatever the thing is that fills your bucket. We cling on to those things, and they're like fast food for the soul. They fill us temporarily, but there's not a nourishment that happens at a soul level. And we want to be the kinds of people who are learning to be with Jesus and become like Jesus and do what he did. This is how. The most important practice in the life of following Jesus, the most contested practice in the life of following Jesus is silence and solitude. So let's press into this practice this week. Let me give you just a couple of very practical ways to respond today. As we have this conversation, number one, just remember, this is practice, not performance. And you've got to get this right in your heart because if you get this wrong, it messes everything up. This is practice, something that we do. It's training, not trying. It's not earning accolades with God. God doesn't love you. In, listen, if you spend every day with Jesus, 15 minutes a day for the next seven days, God doesn't love you any more at the end of those seven days than if you haven't spent time with him for an entire year. You are loved. That reality is true. But being loved and knowing someone can be different things. Being loved and being formed are different things. You can be loved by God and not changed by God all year. Because it's volitional. It's a, it's a choice for you and I to enter into relationship. And so it is practice, not performance. Let me give you just a couple of encouraging words. Know your stage of life, your personality, the season. Know where you are. We ask often, what would Jesus do if he were me? Not, and can't get it wrong, not what would I do if I were Jesus? Bruce Almighty, you know what I mean? Like, no, not that definitely parting a bowl of soup though if I get a chance that's happening but what would Jesus do if he were me my stage of life this season where I live the job that I have the personality that I have single married professional blue collar whatever whatever I am in this life right now what would Jesus do if he were me and the idea here is not to put an unnecessary pressure on you. There's not a mold to fit. There's not boxes to check. There's no timesheet that you're punching at the end of the week. There's no gold stars just to start where you are. And so if you've never spent any time with Jesus ever, and this is the first time that you'd be stepping into this practice, or if you're like some of us who have tried and started and stopped a thousand times and it's never, ever been life-giving to you, then maybe try something different for the first time or get some community around you to help you step into that practice. And again, as we think about it, it's practice, not performance, meaning, meaning I'm not impressing God or myself or anyone else. So for some of you, this practice is really easy. It's natural, you've been doing it for a long time. Or maybe on your personality type, you're gonna step into it and you're just gonna crush it. Like, bam, new practice in my life, and there it is. And for others of you, it's gonna be so hard and your mind's going to drift, and you're going to struggle, and you're going to try to figure out how this thing is going to work into your life, what I want to encourage you with is the heart posture is what matters most in this practice. Our approach to it is really, really important. And also, let me encourage you, as we think about silence and solitude, let me encourage you both in the short and the long game, okay? So the short game would be this. Our encouragement, if you can do it, would be for the next seven days, 
Start small. 15 minutes a day. Find 15 minutes a day where you can carve out time to be alone with yourself and God. Why 15 minutes? This is just our own idea here, but for me, it seems like it takes 15 minutes to do anything of significance. Like if I show up, scripture on my phone or, or my Bible and then a journal open or whatever, it takes, me 50, it takes me five minutes just to stop doing whatever I was doing and actually be there. Like just, I just five minutes of like a breath prayer. God, I'm here. God, you're here. Squirrel. God, I'm here. God, you're here. Text. God, I'm here. Right? I'm just like, I gotta, it takes me five minutes just to be there. And then five minutes to read a small chunk of scripture to pray, to use the soap tool or whatever, and then five minutes to actually respond. I know tons of people who have picked up the scriptures, read it, and said, that helped me this much. <laughs> well, yeah, well, what'd you do after you read it? Like, do you have any practices to help you actually digest scripture to where it actually gets into you and shapes your mind and your heart and your soul? We have tools for you today for that. So 15 minutes is just a suggestion. If you got five, do what you got. But like 15 minutes, in my opinion, is a good starting place. What would it look like to find 15 minutes every day for the next seven days to carve out some time to be alone with God and yourself? The short game. But also the long game. If, you, if you're beginning to work this practice into you, and it might be getting stale, or, or you're just not hearing from God lately, or whatever those spaces are, let's say you're not alone in that. But let me encourage you. There's also a space and a time for extended time alone with God. It could be an hour. It could be four hours. It could be on a hike. It could be in one of those cool, like, really quiet cubicles where you can scream and no one can hear you. You know what I'm talking about? Like in the airport, wherever, in your car, whatever. Like an extended time alone with God. So, so the idea is to really decompress for a longer period of time to be alone. Right? It's really hard to deal with a lot of the deep stuff that we're talking about over the next couple of months in 15 minutes. Would you agree? So you're like, oh, look at all that anxiety. I'll see you later, Jesus. That's <laughs> uh, not really helpful. Really glad I brought all that up. Let's go about our day, right? Like, it takes some time. And so I would encourage you, the rhythm is to teach you to be with Jesus and to receive the love of God and to live out throughout your day. But there are spaces and times. So let me tell you about something just that Danielle and I are working on, and, and you're welcome to adapt the practice in whatever way would work for you. We're trying to find margin, and, and, and we're going to see if this practice works for us this year. For if we can find a, a 12 to 24-hour period once a month for each of us, so separately, because we got kids. One of us is watching kids, and the other one is, is going to have an extended one day a month alone with Jesus. And it can look a lot of different ways. Uh, there's an abbey up in northern Colorado that, that Danielle has gone to to be away. When the weather's nice, I'll go camping or something like that. Like, it's just pulling away no phones, it's me and Jesus, maybe a book that I'm reading, the scriptures, whatever, and a 12 to 24 hour practice depending on what works. And we, and we might look up and be like, yo, that's so unrealistic, how about six hours on a Saturday? <laughs> whatever. The idea is trying to create intentionally that extended alone time with God, which is harder to find than, than just hoping it shows up. So, long game, short game. You guys with me on that? I would just invite you, whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about today, pay attention to that, okay? These are all just ideas. Next thing, if helpful, use the God time plan and the soaps tool to help you in, in, in this practice. Today, you're going to receive uh, this little piece of paper today on your way out. It's also on our website, and there's just, they're sitting around the lobby as well. But there's a little piece of paper for you to fill in the blanks on how to create a God time plan. So that 15 minutes, like actually creating a plan on paper, it's very simple. It's like, where am I going to be? What time? What do I need with me? 
how, I'll, how will I start? Where am I reading in the scriptures? If you've never read the scriptures, start in John and work your way left to right. John chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Like, start there. It's got all that for you there. And on the back, we've got what we call the SOAPS tool. It's an acronym. How do you read the scriptures? Some people really struggle on how to get something out of the scriptures. So we would recommend you grab that John journal in the lobby or one of the journals in the seat backs in front of you. If, you, if you're somebody who learns that way and you get to write things down, or maybe it's on your phone, or maybe you're somebody who talks out loud, whatever, use the SOAPS tool to help you process the scriptures. You can do all of this in 15 minutes. So if helpful, try this for seven days. Make a plan, and, and can I just be honest? Accountability is key here. Accountability is key here. It's one thing to write it down yourself, but if you share and say, hey, Daniel, here's my plan this week. Will you please, like, will you just check in? And, and like, here's, here's what I want to do. Will you check in and help me? And you'll find that accountability goes a long way. This is one of the keys in our city groups. And lastly, I would encourage you to join the 21-day journey of fasting. That we attach this practice together with the practice of silence and solitude. That as we give up food throughout the week, or if you give up social media or whatever, those little, those little things, those hungers that arise inside of you, you point your attention and your affection back to God. And because you've already carved out 15 minutes a day to be alone, you have something then to attach that hunger back to. So whatever the rhythm looks like for you, the focus of this fast is to be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what he did, that we would focus our hearts on intimacy with Jesus, and we would watch activity overflow from that, okay? All right, I'm gonna pray for us, and we're gonna respond in worship. So I'm just gonna invite you to bow your heads with me. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes, this is just a moment to create silence, to remove distraction. Breathe in really deep. And to let out a breath. Say, Holy Spirit, you're here. Holy Spirit, I'm here. And I ask very simply, what do you want me to do? As we sit in this moment, we prepare our hearts to, to respond in singing and prayer. I just want to invite you to continue to sit for just a moment with your eyes closed in a posture of receiving the love of God. And I would encourage you in this moment, what is it that, that God has highlighted for you today? Maybe it's a specific practice. Maybe it's to join community. Maybe it's to ask for help. Maybe it's just letting go of, of the feeling that you need to perform and earn the love of God. Maybe it's stepping into the practice for the first time in a posture of receiving the love of God. Maybe you're here this morning and as we talked about all of this, you're wrestling in your own heart and mind because there's never been a moment in your life where you have started a relationship with God. 
Maybe for the first time today, you're hearing that God loves you. Maybe for the first time today, you're beginning to understand that God desires a relationship with you, that he created you on purpose and for a purpose. Maybe there's something stirring in your heart that everything you've been looking for is is meant to be found in a relationship with the God who created you and loved you. And friends, I would say, if, if that's you today, I would want you to know that Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that you and I cannot live. He then died on the cross willingly as a sacrifice in place of our sins to make forgiveness available as a demonstration of the love of God. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he was who he said he was, that he can do in my life and in your life what he said he would do. And the very simple invitation is to trust in Jesus, that everything he did, he did for you, so that you could be saved, set free, made new, adopted into the family of God, to begin walking in that way both now and forever. And if you have never trusted in Jesus, I would invite you to respond to his love today. Some of you are followers of Jesus in the room, and you have never celebrated that decision publicly through baptism. And maybe one of the first things that Jesus would have you do is to take that next step of celebrating externally what Jesus has done in your life internally. Whatever it is that God is working on, I would just encourage you to lean into that and to trust that what he has for us is for our good, his glory, and the good of others. So Jesus, as we sing these songs, as we respond in prayer, would you continue to meet us in this space and direct our hearts and lives? And would you give us the power this week through your spirit and through the encouragement of community, not only to make a plan, but then to aim our heart and mind and our affections toward you. And as we create a little bit of time to be with you, would we find more life in that space than any of the temporary things we have turned to over the last week, the last month, or the last year? Would identity become clear, who you say that we are? Would direction become clear? Would anxiety begin to be replaced with joy and delight? Would you help us to become like 